0: Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild.
2: Welcome, boys and girls, once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fit Network. It's your boy Armando and co-host Daniel, or Perry. How are you doing, Danny? good man what's going on dude not much man trying to uh keep up with uh all the fishing that's going on
3: yeah for what real? about you yeah same just new job working blah 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 life how's, how's your new job new job treating you yeah it's first week's going great so far yeah. and uh i went to okeechobee last weekend with the kfl and started a new job this week so it's been a whirlwind of excitement all groovy, yeah, it's cool, man.
2: So, today on this episode, what we're going to be, me and Dan, there's no special guests, it's just going to be me and Dan. We we'll kind of take a break from all the special guests and all that and talk a little bit about fall weather, fall transition weather. We're going to be talking about what's our favorite baits, um, that we like to throw on this, um, by on this season, you know, early fall, late fall. Um, we also wanted to have Brad Hicks and Matt Souders join us from the final cast. They're both river rats, uh, but both of them are actually fishing on the river today. So, But they did give us a little bit of insight, and we'll go over what they shared with us. But yeah, that's pretty much it, man. Before we dive mm-hmm. in, a uh, huge thank you to our supporters, Douglas Rods. Go to douglasoutdoors.com. Check out the full lineup, LRS, X-Matrix, and the award-winning fly fishing rods, douglasoutdoors.com. Find out what's your nearest authorized dealer or oh, not nah, you can buy them online bass pro shop is selling them too now online really? there you
3: go yeah, they, they've been seems like more and more places are they're getting branching out
2: yeah man they're, they're pretty new to the game but they're they're really growing i mean and their rod designer fred contai is just a mad scientist when it comes to designing rods and he's very very meticulous about design rod designs and all that so Pretty fortunate to be working with that company for sure. Nice rods. So anyways, before we dive into that, uh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, anything else? Anything that we can highlight? Oh, I saw uh, Catherine's, uh, Catherine, I'm sorry, Christine Fisher's um, latest uh, video. Have you seen it where she falls out of her kayak full no.
3: speed and that thing just keeps going? No, I just saw, saw it was saved to a group, but I, I didn't look at it.
2: That is hilarious so I guess they were playing like frisbee while they were doing full throttle on their Torquitos. and uh she kind of reached out to grab the disc and nearly caught it um uh, kayak kind of tilted and she took that business decision yeah, of goodness. like yep jump out of the
3: kayak why should she stand up whenever the motor's running. Come on! Yeah, I think we're, we're old, almost ran over. Yeah, saw. old Pilates. I mean, she she's got some balance, but come on, you can't do it. That. that is crazy. That's a fun video.
2: Fun I, I, I
3: don't. I, I know I'm supposed to wear my kill switch, but I I, I don't wear it. But the, uh, you know, I'm sure it's illegal or whatever. But I'm not standing up. But I, I, you know, I also don't walk up to the front of my kayak either. I don't have that kind of balance. So.
2: I remember Fluke Master Gene Jensen posted one last year um, where he was fishing in Cado And yeah, the same thing. he was pre-fishing for the national championship. And he hit a stump and he fell off. And he didn't, I don't think he had a kill switch either, but his was a, a front mount. Um, so he was able to hang on to his kayak. But I was like, dude, you imagine like, Gator infested waters, you fall in, in yeah. that and your kayak keeps going. Now you have to like swim to try to get. No, no, that would be, that that would be a nine. nightmare.
3: Yeah, I probably, Okeechobee, oh, I probably should have had that mode. And thinking of it now, I, I should have had that kill switch on because there's a hell of a lot of gators down there. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. I might have to start wearing it more. Here you go.
2: Anyways, so let's jump right in. Let's uh. Let's uh, oh, we forgot. Uh, we're gonna go to a quick waypoints commercial. So, Brian Chiller, do your thing. This is where the waypoint commercials go, and then uh, we'll start over with our subject.
0: and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
2: All right, we're back. I only took a second for us maybe like 60 minutes or 90 minutes for everybody else. But anyways, what is – let's do our top three favorite fall baits. Oh. Um, and like I mentioned in the intro, we also go over what um, our river rats, Matt Souders and uh, Brad Hicks like to throw on the river. But for us, we're mostly uh, lake guys, uh, lake rats, if you want to call it.
3: What's your number three bait? for Let me see about it. What I got is number three here. Number three, I have a lipless crank, which I I think is for, for me in the fall, I'm completely selling out. I'm going 100% off of a bait fish bite. So I, if you have shad or any, any kind of bait fish like that, not. in the summer, I primarily target deeper stuff and brim beds. So brims would be. Main forage I'd target, you know, that I'm trying to imitate. And then as the fall happens, I'm trying to imitate a shad, some, some kind of small bait fish. Now, a lot of times there it's the ones this year. So they, um, so it's really a lot of times it's going to be a smaller bait fish profile. Works even better because sometimes there'll be so many, you know, so many big schools of shad that it's hard to compete with them. So for me, a lipless crank, and that's primarily going to shallow flats. Um, you know, this time of year, the fish, a lot of them go from main lake and they start to go back into the creeks and that the, either the first ledge or a Creek drain going up into a flat, just like you would in the, in the pre-spawn and that, you know, any kind of hard spot, stump, anything else on a flat, on a shallow flat, not all the way, 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 way back, but any shallow flat. Yeah. That's a, a lipless crank is just absolutely killer, and whenever you can find them schooled up this time of the, starting into the fall, they can just be absolutely lights out. My number one color in the fall, for some reason, I don't know why, would be gold. Yeah. I I, I can't tell you why, but gold.
2: Yeah. I'm going to touch on that a little bit on on my number one bait. But yeah, my number three bait is an A-Rig. I like to throw an A-Rig because that's, you know, and again, this is Texas, so once water starts cooling down, um, we get a little bit more rain. Usually, like Texas, like this year, especially considering this year where it's been like so hot and no rain yeah. at all. You know, once it starts cooling off, I mean, in my opinion, I think those bats are gonna bass are gonna be really hungry and they're gonna be really like they really want to go out there and feed and 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 munch up on a school of bait fish. So I'm throwing an A rig. And same thing. I'm working it on points and transition areas where, you know, shad are gonna be start, you know, moving up and bass are gonna be following them, coming from the deep and following them to shore as the season goes on, the transition goes on, the water starts to cool, we get a little bit more rain. That's where I really at the beginning like to throw um uh you know, Chad patterns, uh A rigs and just same thing consent um really uh, putting effort on the on the offshore points and the transition points moving into creeks I think that's it's it's, key. it's worked for me in the past um it's not my number one bait but it's definitely something that I'm gonna have tied on all the time until you know water gets really really cold
3: that's a that's a good one i, I usually i don't know for some reason I keep one in the box but and I have I can build one out if I think that's the deal but I I never go out with one tied on it. It would be one I put together if if I think it's just if that's happening, you know. But that that's a great bait for sure.
2: Yeah, it's a great bait and it's a great search bait too. You know, since schooling. You know, it's a lot of good way to kind of like cover a lot of ground.
3: Yeah, and that that's another big point in the fall is it's one of those times of year where they're absolutely grouped up, so you have to cover a lot of water. You're looking for. Any kind of place, a lot of times it's going to be um, like some place where they can ambush the fish or they can bunch them up. Any, any kind of little cul-de-sac or anything where they can, where they look like they can herd up some shad or something like that, That that's a great spot. And if you catch one, keep throwing and spend some time there because it's usually not just one. Uh, the fall is a time of the year where it's, it's usually multiple. You can get right real quick in an area. Yep. They're more, like you said, more bunched up. What's your number two bait? Uh, Spook Junior. So any, any kind of point, secondary points, anything. And even just anytime you see them bust them on top, you got to have a top water, whether it's, you know, like a shower blows or anything else. But again, I'm usually trying to look like a little bit smaller forage in the fall. So I go with a Spook Junior. I replace the hooks. There's a lot of other great ones out there. That's just one, just regular, super, Zara, super Spook Junior. And would replace hooks that uh, that's that's i've got that tied on any time in the fall
2: yeah that's a good one i've actually on cold weather day especially and when it's sunny spooks have really shine on that um because they you know it's even though the water may be cold they're, they're moving up um shallow when it's when it's the uh, sun is high and they're kind of like looking for that warm water and spooks have worked really well for me as well. Number two, I was actually going to go with the lipless crankbait, but you already mentioned it, so I don't want to be redundant. But I'll, I'll throw in another one that I like to use on fall, and that is my jerkbait. I love throwing the jerkbait. Uh, for whatever reason, when I started fishing out of a kayak, I just fell in love with the idea of using the jerkbait. Don't ask me why, because it's probably one of the hardest baits to, to kind of like really dial in how are you going to use it? You know, it's, you know, the twitch, twitch and in, in adjusted for different, uh, seasons, you know? Um, but I really enjoyed it and I loved that jerk bait bite. And what I like to do is kind of same thing. I'll go into flats. And if there is a flat where there's a Marina in it on sunny days, then I'm going to work the edges of that Marina with a jerk bait. Um, and the good thing about it in fall, you can move it more quickly, right? If it's winter, like the dead of winter, and it's really cold, you kind of like twitch, you know, count to 10. Twitch, count to yeah, 10. Super twitch. slow. Yeah, but when they're that active, you just throw it out there. You don't really have to, um, you know, wait too long. I've actually used them as um, like a crankbait, you know, and, and people – I don't think enough people talk about it. You know, I and I remember the first time I used it, I didn't have a again, I was just kind of um uh, learning to do kayak fishing and I really loved the you know the the um just the idea of fishing a jerk bait and I didn't have my crankbaits with me. I left them so I just used a jerk bait as a crankbait and those things work really well as a crankbait. I don't yeah. think people talk about it enough, but um, I'm not gonna bang them against bottom of the you know rock pile I I would do with the with a crankbait or a square bill but I definitely that's another thing if I feel like uh the twitch thing is not working then I'll give it a couple of tries just on a straight retrieval and I a lot of times I get a lot of bites. If they're really active you would get bites on it. And like you said, once you found one on like um, on flats leading up to coves and creeks usually you'll find quite a few of, of them it's not going to be just one bite you keep throwing out there you'll get a couple of more bites
3: for sure great bait yep what's your number one bait spinner bait a uh, sure. you know it's it's not something i've i've thrown it seems like the last two or three years I've gotten more and it's like I get more and more into a spinnerbait but it's specifically like a a three three blade one like the accent triple shady well one that's got three small blades because again I'm a lot of times I in this in the fall I'm trying to mimic smaller bait fish because they were just born this year so they're a little bit smaller and um so just a spinnerbait spinnerbait usually just parallel in the bank, parallel in grass lines, things like that. Like I said, just covering water, trying to find places where they're grouped up. Now I'll, I'll give another bit of juice here. If you see a bait ball and this isn't a hundred percent all the time, but if you see a bait ball on your graph and you have a good graph and it's dialed in, if you see a bait ball and it's just perfect. It's like, Oh man, that's just the perfect bait ball right there. There's no bass on it. Because yep. if, if it were perfect, nothing's going through it. Nothing's hitting them to make them break up. You're, it, but if you see a bait ball that's all jacked up and maybe you see a streak or two in it, that's the ones you specifically want to target. If you just see some perfect ones, keep going because that, that, there's no fish there or, or it wouldn't be perfect.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of times when you see that, that bait ball is their tendencies to go um, to move up. The water column, right? because they're being attacked from the bottom by bass. They're going to be shading and bass are going to try. Bass are going to try to corner them, yep. and if there's now no place to corner them, then they're going to put. They're going to try to corner them against the surface, right? And it's that thing where they come. They come from behind, and then they push it up. That's why you see a lot of like, um, you know, on early in the morning. I love one thing that I love about going early in the morning is all of a sudden you will see. This kind of like National Geographic st- style video, just like uh, and prompt to just smacking of top water out of nowhere, especially against the shoreline or or a uh, bluff. And it, I mean, once you see that, you know it's game on. A lot of times here in Texas is maybe stripers or white bass, yeah. But if you throw it deep enough, you can might be able to get some of that bass that are fitting on the bottom. Of it, And it's, I mean, it's like you said, you know, once you see that, once you see on the graph that, like you said, that, that bait ball and you see a couple of like orange marks, like on the bottom of it, you know, it's on, they're, they're yeah. being, they're being hammered at that point.
3: That's right. Yeah. There's that, that, there's like almost no greater feeling is whenever you pull up on a, you know, your graph and you see a bunch of streaks to a bait ball. It's like,
0: Oh, <laughs> I found
3: it. Yeah.
2: Definitely um, my number one bait um, and should come as no surprise for those that listen to my podcast, you know how much I love a jackhammer, but I really feel like for whatever reason, golden shiners are just that pattern, the golden shiner pattern on, and I should have brought my tackle box up here to the office, but that one with the gold blade and that um, gold um, sparkle on the top, Uh, of the skirt and then white on the bottom of the skirt, that just shines in fall for whatever reason. And that I'll usually be like going kind of like not getting into winter, but more like, you know, late October. I'll just use that more going into creeks and, you know, past transition points where now I feel like those shots are moving more to to, to crease. Um, and for whatever reason, again, th- that golden color just shines. I don't know why. I've heard a lot about it. I've tried it and truth be told, it's, it makes a difference. Right now to me, more like the black and blue and the um, the other one, the bee like jackhammer, those were great. But when, you know, closer to winter, that golden china color just shines, man.
3: I agree. I don't know what it is about gold in the fall, but it, maybe just the water clarity. I don't. I don't know gold in the fall.
2: Yep. So, did you mention your number one bait already? Or?
3: Yeah, spinner bait.
2: Spinner bait. So, let me ask you this: So, when you are, we touched on it a little bit. When you are fishing in fall bites versus in summer? Summer. I'm assuming you're going deep right you're looking more for offshore points or main fishing deeps,
3: yeah either main lake or i'm going moving water i'm going way up a creek one of the two and summer yeah Mm -hmm. exactly
2: so now in fall where do you target your bass
3: i'm usually starting at the mouth of a it depends on what part of the fall like if you have to yeah in the morning if you have a hoodie on i'm starting in the back and working out if it's still warm enough to where you don't need one, then I'm starting at the mouth of a creek and working back.
2: Working up the
3: creek. You mean? Say what? Working no, up creek. No, like I, I'm starting from the main lake, going into the creek. Yeah. If if it's still warm enough, and I don't need a hoodie in the morning, or if it's cold enough to wear in the fall, where I do need a hoodie in the morning, I start, in on a shallow flat, that's where I'll start, and then work my way out if they're not there.
2: Uh, when you say work your way out is to the main lake,
3: yeah, back out towards secondary point and main points things. And like the that. reason for that, what do you do that for? I just I think in the late fall they're further back, and then the early fall, you know, whenever the transition from late summer to, you know, that September time frame, i I think a lot of a lot of the meat is still main lake to first secondary points up in there. I don't think they've usually went all the way back. I mean there's fish in every part of the lake all part of the year, but I mean like the main meat of of the of the biosphere of bass. Is that what it's called? Biosphere or I'm thinking like biodome, yeah. Bio something.
2: I'll buy it.
3: It's biosomething. Um the the main like let's say the biggest percentage of bass are from main lake to secondary points in early fall and then late fall it's from secondary points to the back to a shallow flat.
2: Yeah. And the reason for that uh for those out there that might be listening and you know some of you may just be getting into bass fishing and still learning just like we all did um it's I I feel like chad when it's really hot, you know, they're 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 going to look for shade and when it starts getting cooler they're going to look for sunlight you know that's they're going to be looking more for like water that's going to stay at a steady temperature that's obviously going to be moved. that's why you when we talk about that that's what we're saying when they're moving from the deeps up to the creeks as the season progresses because now the water gets starts get colder the fish get more active and then they start uh, by the end by winter you know depending on where you live of course uh, they're gonna be where you know the water temperatures are just gonna
3: stay more um, warmer and the, there's also a lot and i am i wish i knew more about it i'm no expert but but like uh the lake rolling over thermocline there's a lot of water where the oxygen is certain time of the year and into the fall if it turns over i, I don't I, I don't understand all the science behind that, I just I know there's a lot to that, so I would say re- research that on your own.
2: Do you get a lot of uh, um, lake turnover in the late uh, winter?
3: I, I I don't know. Like I honestly, I don't know what it looks like. I hear people talk about it, but I've never. You know, sometimes you can see uh, like different. The water does look different at different depths on a graph. Yeah. so I I know there's something going on there I just I don't understand it I mean I just don't
2: it's <laughs> extremely hard to catch yeah, I'm
3: from yeah. Mississippi I'm I'm not very smart I guess i, I don't know <laughs> it's uh
2: it's very hard to catch him when the lake is turned over man now I don't here in Texas if it's a small lake um you know it'll turn over bigger lakes I really doubt it um yeah. you know and i And I can give you an example of a bigger lake. And I think some areas of a lake, like you get a big lake, like say, like, for example, uh, trying to think, Sam Rayburn. So Sam Rayburn, probably the whole lake's not going to turn over, but there may be um, coves or, you know, bays or some areas where the water might turn over, but not just the whole lake.
3: That'd be a great podcast. Just talk to somebody who understood thermocline and turnover and things like the actual lake that'd be that'd be a good interesting show Yeah, you know? yeah definitely
2: uh i would definitely know more like to know more about it i don't again it's not something that really affects that much here in texas uh depending who you ask i really haven't seen it i know i fished grapevine one year when you can tell that uh It definitely, some of the pockets were turning over just because the water, it hadn't rained. So I expect the water clarity to be, you know, not great, but, you know, good for that type of lake. And that water was super mucky. Um, And it just had a lot of, uh, you know, dead debris. Like when I say dead debris, I mean like leaves and twigs, like rotten stuff just at the surface. I'm like, that's weird. It hasn't even rained in the last couple of weeks. Why?
3: I, I've, I've seen that before, too. I, I just, I don't know why it happens or when it happens. I just know whenever I see that, I'm not fishing in that area.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And the reason for, for what it is, just like thermal climate, right? So the, the water that's warmer, um, is going to come to the surface. So once the water, once, you know, we're getting closer to winter where the water is getting cold. So that top water is now sinking and that bottom water is now lifting. That's basically it because the water on the bottom, now it's warmer than the water on the top. So yeah. it creates that. I do, I have been, um, one of the first times I went on my kayak, I was a Lake Grapevine and I saw something that I've never seen and I haven't seen since. So it kind of threw me off and it was the dead of summer. It was going to be like, you know, close to a hundred. But um, I got to the lake early thinking, you know, I'll go fish early, put my kayak on the wall and everything. Just when I was about to load, a rolling storm came through like and it lasted from like 7 a.m. to like 10 a.m. Right. So it was, you know, it was just raining, a lot of wind, a lot of rain. So I was like, I just stayed in the car for like three hours. Just because at this point, I, I was like, I, if I wouldn't have load, unloaded the kayak, I would have just gone home. Yeah. But at that point, I was like, I already unloaded my, you know. Might as by the time this is done, I might as well fish. So I did, and while I was still fishing, it was still raining. But you know the thunderstorms had left; it was just rain. And once that rain completely left, it did, and it, and and all of a sudden, the sh- sun was shining bright. It did something to that water, where it's just like that. That mixture of like cold rain came down, or well, not cold rain, but you know rainwater that's a lot colder than what the surface of the lake is and then when that l- sun came out blazing, it just created this thermal climate change and it pushed all the bait fish to the top mm. and I've that was been one of my best days on the water because literally I had the next six cast I I was on fish and literally after that, it was just like, even I would get a bite, even though it might have been a short strike or, or mess hook set or whatever. But it was like, I had literally had like 10 casts where it's just one after another. Like, doesn't matter where you throw it, they were going to bite it.
0: Right. And it was just
2: at a flat, but it did something. And uh, it's crazy because I've been in situations like that before where it's like hot summer and all of a sudden a storm comes through and I'm thinking, this is going to be awesome. And it, the whole, Completely the opposite of what happened that day. Exact same conditions, but now for some reason the bite was just dead. So I don't know how that works, but I wish.
3: Yeah, I, knew- I don't know. Some of that scientific type stuff, I, I just I'm never going to understand. Or some of the biology of the bass. I, you know, some people really get into that. That ain't that ain't my bag, man.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that'd be nice to you know. It'd be Go, the whole drew gregory and be yeah. like a real student encyclopedia of uh of bass fishing i'm always amazed every time i talk to drew gregory about bass fishing it's like the knowledge that this guy has like no wonder he doesn't need yeah. fancy equipment my- i think i lost you a friend of mine lance again.
3: okay oh there we go a friend of mine lance he uh yeah i'm, I'm about to run my my internet cable i'm I, I gotta figured out how I'm going to do it because my internet seems like it's getting worse and worse um, but my my friend Lance he's on a KFL team too he's he's him and drew they're the same kind of guy you know super detailed love all the biology and all that and he just blows me away with his knowledge you know
2: well I mean the biggest thing uh to me is you know we talk about the electronics, the rods the reel, the kayaks, 360 drive life, scope, all that. Biggest factor, and I think truth prove it, is your mind. You know, if your head is right and you know, and you can, you know, power through those grind and stay focused, and that's the psychological part of it. Now, the knowledge part of it, like that interview I had with uh, Drew Gregory about winning three different tournaments in three different leagues with three different species back to back to back. I mean, when he started talking, well, I I fish for this type of bass, but that bass on that lake is uh, this type of strain. So this type of strain, the bass don't get that big. So instead of going for that bass like everybody was doing, I was going for this type of bass, which means that bass was going to be on this side of the lake. And I'm like, holy crap. I mean, the fact that he has that knowledge on a little known lake that a kayak fishing tournament national trail has never been held before. And it's hundreds of miles away from, if not thousands from where he actually lives.
3: Yeah,
2: It's like, that is amazing. It's <laughs> amazing. Like I struggle just to get Intel on my local, uh, grapevine Lake, which next door, or Lake Worth, which is like five minutes from here, or Arlington. But that guy, you know, the way that he just – it's just amazing, man. It's just his biggest tool is his brain, his knowledge. Just having that information and just focusing, you know, not letting get – you know, the the knowledge – I go back to it. The knowledge and the psychological part of it, which is just staying true to your game plan regardless of the of the grind or the struggles. You know, it's crazy,
3: yeah.
2: So that's it. Read a book instead of buying a life school. That's yeah. my advice to you all listening. Read a book about bass fishing <laughs> according to the internet. But anyway, so I want to go over one of the things that I was talking to, like I said, Matt Souders and Brad Hicks. There are, like I mentioned, our river rats. And I wanted, since they couldn't come on, I asked them, you know, what are their top baits when we apply it to. Skinny bodies of water like creeks and rivers, like they do. Matt was telling me that one of the things he loves to do is jackhammer, a crankbait, and a jig. And then once fall is almost at winter, then he goes for a net rig, which makes sense, you know. And then, uh, Brad, uh, jerkbait, same as I do, net rig. And I want wonder- that kind of surprised me popper and Hmm. um, contrary to what you were saying. And maybe this is just because of uh, the it's on the river, but he actually likes to beef up his presentation. You were saying like you like going more for like, you know, downsizing, Mm -hmm. he's actually beefing up his baits. So he's using bigger swim baits. Um, But again, he goes for like small mouth, Like he was, I was just reading what he, the notes he gave me. Small mouth diet change from cross in the summer to bait fish in the fall. So that's why he kind of like beef, beefs up his, his swim baits. So
3: good. Night, that, so, swim bait, that's, that would have been my number four. Uh, just a single swim bait like an Okashira or. Like a I'd glide think. bait or. A... No, it's a Okashira. Yeah, small little swim bait like an Okashira. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's our little three point eight Kytech, uh, you know, three and a half inch egg zone right there. Yep. Same thing. The it's small swim baits, like a the flashy swimmer with a with that little egg zone right there. Any like three and a half, four inch swim bait with a flashy swimmer, it's, that's that's kind of like a sparing bait, but that's awesome this time of the year. Underspins, any kind of small single swim bait deal is awesome.
2: Now let me ask you this, Dan: Do you get a lot of like rocky, no grass kind of lakes to that you fish within, where you in your neck of the woods, or is it yeah, but, just grass?
3: Yeah, we have Smith Lake and um, and Logan Martin. They're both no grass kind of lakes.
2: What is the difference in, uh, if any, uh, when you are in fall, applying it to fall transition fall season, or would you be throwing at a, a rocky lake? Versus a grassy
3: lake. Um. Usually, whenever I go to a rocky lake, it seems like I'm focusing more on any kind of cover, like um, like maybe if I'm on a, a regular a regular lake, I would just I'd be looking for more kind of bait fish or flats and things like that. It seems like whenever I go to more of a rocky lake, there's less. I'd probably be flipping more. I'd probably be more of a wacky rig under, under, under docks and a bait fish color or, um or flipping some kind of white or like, a, uh, like a silvery sparkly silvery kind of flipping a bait like that. Like I know uh, Jason Christie is Christie critter and he goes to that, to the, it's like a sparkly kind of deal in the fall. That's what he throws. So uh us so that yeah, usually some kind seems like rocky lakes any kind of cover especially isolated to me that's that's where i do the best yeah like if, I, if you have that one dock you have like a bunch of docks and then no dock for 100 yards one and then one dock off on its own like spend 20 minutes on that one dock because it's bloated up you know
2: yeah i agree to me when it's rocky lakes then i'll i maybe ditch the um the uh, for example, like the Well, I wouldn't dish a jackhammer because I love that, but I would um, probably if I want to pick a number four bait, you know, I would say a crankbait, uh, with you know, chad color, gold, golden shad, yeah. it works really well. Um, just kind of banging, I don't have to worry about grass you getting caught up or something like that because you know, once the grass starts dying, it kind of gets clumped up, yeah. and it's so I on that one, I was just like, I would. You know, I'm going to tie up a uh, uh, crankbait with the Chad color or electric Chad color, golden shiner, too. That's a, I mean, I,
3: it, yep. that, that's a good point. I, I probably would throw more crankbait, like grinding kind of crankbaits on a rocky lake. Lipless would be more, you know, on some kind of grassy lake, especially if I can kind of rip it through the grass, let yeah. it take the bottom of the grass and then rip it up. But more like a, I, I throw, I'm pretty much. Little John series, pro Little John. I throw all those all year long, um, and like on Logan Martin earlier this year, two of the two of the three fish I caught on that lake and I won that tournament were Little John MD. So, yeah, more, more rocky lakes, I probably am going more crankbaits.
2: Yeah, for real, definitely. Yeah. And spooks—that's another one that I like yeah. to throw on rock like, lakes. Spooks. Um, I don't know why. I've never. Rocky lakes, especially on flats, I don't even bother throwing a a popper frog or anything like that. To me, it's just spooks and just tend to be – I just – I mean, frogs is – I will use frogs towards the beginning of the fall season, but it's going to be on grassy lakes. It's not going to be on rocky lakes.
3: Yeah, I'd say, like, also, too, on a rocky lake, probably my number five bait would be a buzz bait if I want a quarter ounce butt because I like the smaller profile in the fall a quarter ounce buzz bait on a grassy lake. But if I'm not on a grassy lake, I'm probably throwing that like plopper 75, the small one. Yeah. I'm probably throwing that on and creeks too, but I'm probably throwing that on, you know, around a moving top water, I guess that that'd be my number five bait.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds solid baits. You know, you can't go wrong with that. Try to keep it simple. One thing that I've, um, and this is kind of stem from your previous conversations you and I have. One thing that I started doing is, um, you know, as you grow as an angler, you kind of mature, right? Um, and when I do that, I mean, you mature in your knowledge and you don't get distracted with the flashiness of of some new bait or something like that. Now, granted, there are some that, you know, you be like, okay, this is new. I want to check it out. Hellraiser. Yeah. Not oh, Railraiser. I was about to say. Hellraiser from, from, yeah. uh, from Z-Man. I, I would love to check that out. But one thing that I have kind of like made it a point lately is just kind of organize, you know, what my soft plastics are going to be and just stay through to them. Instead of just buying like, you know, oh, I'll buy ozone here and then Tech or um, whatever, um, KVDs or strikings, whatever it is, I've gotten to a point where listen, I'm just going to focus on, you know, on a creature style soft plastic. Cross style soft plastic, um, ribbon worm, uh, Yamamoto's type single, you know, like a, a, a stick, yeah, worm, stick worm, and as far as soft plastics, and maybe for um, for uh, uh, bedding season spawning of a, a salamander and maybe a brush hog. That's it, but I'm like, I'm done with trying to experiment with this or that or just. Like, I'll find it, and I'm not gonna say brands or anything like that because it's, I'm not here to promote any brands, but like, that's it. You know, a beaver style, a cross style, a soft plastic swim paddle tail, a, a brush hog, and a salamander. And I'm gonna, and all of them, oh, and the and the um, and the senkos, not necessarily Jamamoto motorcycles, but just the senkos in general. Um, and that's it. Three colors, man, just three colors. Mm-hmm. The um. Pumpkin, watermelon flake, the black and blue. And uh what's the other color that I like to do? Um green pumpkin, uh, black and blue, and I forgot the other color that I use. I forgot the name of it. Watermelon. Anyways, watermelon, yeah, I guess. I mostly honestly I just use well white. And you know, for for like yeah. the for the swim baits, I'll go with white as well. Pretty much but all that's I, it.
3: if with, with X Zone, I mean, not not like I'm trying to sell X Zone, but I thought of almost all my baits, I have black and blue, a green pumpkin, but I carry some colors with me if I want to, you know, spice it up a little bit. Yep. Um, I'll, some kind of white and the 309, which is like just more of a glimmer, a super more of a translucent brim kind of color deal. That's oh. that's my four colors that I carry. I mean, that, yeah. that's pretty much across everything. That's it.
2: Yeah, I forgot the other one, the red. So more of a red color, you know, like a cross style color. So cross style, yeah. um, green pumpkin, and black and blue pretty much. And that's for like my creature baits. My craw baits is going to be same. Well, same thing, you yeah. know, cross style, green pumpkin, and black and blue. Swim baits is just going to be shad you know, pretty much like white, uh, and uh, golden shiner,
3: electric shad, something
2: like yeah, some mm. kind of like two or three, and that's it because I'm yeah. done with all the
3: smoke shad, electric shad, but yeah. those are good. You know
2: what? I missed the brush hogs with the um, from Zoom, the African part, African Sa- South African special. Saf, oh my god, those things are so mm. good, they don't make them anymore.
0: to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price, price line
2: it is amazing, I I got the ribbon tailworms with it now Um, and again this is I know we're kind of going down um, on a rabbit hole here, we kind of forgot we're not now longer talking about fall baits but um, just kind of like simplicity of just soft plastic. that's something I'm working on, again something I feel like As I try to, you know, learn and keep growing as an angler, I think that's one of the things just cutting, simplifying. I know what I like now. And all I need is about two or three colors of that for different occasions. And that's it. Maybe an outliner here and there for very specific, you know, um, like maybe betting season and stuff like that. But that's pretty much it.
3: I really like, you know, like me, Tennessee River in the summer, there's like, some colors, you know, like plums and things like that, peanut butter and jelly or yeah. that there might be every now and then there might be a different color that I carry, but I have sized down all my soft plastics. Like if it almost, if everything I have, if it doesn't serve multiple purposes, I don't carry it anymore. Cause I, I just, I've sized down my, I've, every time I size myself down my, both my baits and my soft plastics, the better I get, the more I win. So it just uh, I I think for a lot of people, I mean, I'm not Drew Gregory, obviously. I don't carry that few things, but uh, yeah, I I think a lot of people would be surprised about how much I carry because it's not much.
2: Yeah, but and it's different taste for different folks, I guess. I know I've I've wished, and I mentioned a bunch of times. Rolando Nadine, who takes sixteen rods with him, you should see his collection of like. Treasure trove of soft plastic is crazy, but in talking to him, you get a, a lot of knowledge. But yeah, he's one of those that loves, he loves to have his options on the water. He feels comfortable with it. Who's that? Uh, Rolando Nandine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's, I mean, he's the guy's really good at it. So there's, I mean, like I said, it doesn't mean you can go the Drew Gregory route and simplify it and have great success like Drew Gregory has, or you can go. Um the Rolando Nandine route where he wants options. He he feels comfortable with having a lot of options on the water. And you can tell Rolando Nandine is one of the best at it right now. Yeah. Um, so
3: like yeah. I, I I guess I mean more like like especially when my soft plastics, if like I'm trying to think of something that would be okay, like the adrenaline crawl, which is like a Z crawl. It's it's just like a paddle tail kind of beaver deal that actually swims. I have that for swim baits. I have it. I could use it on jigs. I can use it on a buzz bait. I can use it on like it's. It has to serve multiple purposes to be in my box. There is no plastic. Uh, Even my stick baits. I use them for either a wacky rig, a Nico rig. You know, at least there's at least two. I don't have any I don't carry any soft plastic that can only do one thing. It just isn't worth me having it in the box anymore. I try I really try to think all that out of what bait I can use multiple ways to carry less things. I'd rather carry a fourth color than I would another bait.
2: That's true. I agree with that. How many rods do you carry with you on a tournament day?
3: It depends on what I'm doing. I can carry 12, but I if I can put six, you know, in the Hobie, Hobie Pro Angler 14 where yeah. I have six rod holders, if I can just carry six, I feel like people are in trouble. Like, I'm on them. Because I don't have to worry about anything sticking up. And I'm just, I can go anywhere. I I feel like I'm more streamlined. So six would be ideal. I know it's, it sounds crazy. It even sounds crazy to me because I used to never have less than 10 but i can carry 5 on 7 on the box 6 down and then two up two other rod holders so i can carry more than i want i just yeah. but if i can carry 6 and have them horizontal that's that's the you can.
2: I've put up to 12 just horizontal because those on the you can put like yeah. it's I'm not gonna lie, it's, you, it's a, a little mess. bit of
3: mess. Oh,
1: yeah,
2: and it, because if you do that, then you have to have definitely have to have rod socks on them. Yeah, you can't just put them without the rod socks. Um, if you're gonna have more than one on, on each hole, you know, um, but yeah, I've gone through like 12, like six and six on each side. That is,
3: I, I have it, um, I have five that on my yak yak gadget crate I have five that go up and they have one on each side of the yak attack tether tubes where they're kind of on a 45 yeah. so they're they still stay down pretty far and I have that tether on there so if I hit a tree it can't pull them out of, out of there. so I tether those two down so I can carry eight that are pretty much all down six that are definitely all the way down and two that are I can get almost uh, under everything you know Well, that's
2: pretty much it, folks. Uh, Not a long episode today. We kind of want to bring it, keep it light uh, and just have a fun conversation. You know, sometimes bringing special guests, you have to prepare yourself. You have to figure out what you're going to talk about. It's not that it's stressful. You meet a lot of great people. Don't get me wrong. But every now and then, I just like to have a buddy talk and just talk fishing with my buddy here, Dan, instead of just doing the whole interview process, which again, we both
3: love doing. We just
2: every now and then we need a break from it, right?
3: Yeah. And and the fall's fun. Yeah. just just cover more water. You'll find them. That's it. What's and, your
2: plan for the weekend? Fishing this
3: weekend? Uh, nah, this weekend, next weekend's all family. And then we've got three games at ho- two games at home for KFL, but uh or no, that's I don't know. That's coming up before in a few weeks. But um uh, I am my friend's got a pond and uh he needs some fish taken out of it some bass Ooh. and it's totally loaded up with bass and it's a great time so i, I think i'm going to go there and catch some i, I usually don't keep bass but i so uh, i'll go catch they're trying to get like 200 out of the pond so really? i'm going to go down there and catch a mess of them and cl- clean them up for some friends yeah
2: there you go i mean it's if it's there. like a private pond i don't
3: yeah I, mean, be, again, yeah, I mean, and again, people can. I
2: mean, I don't, I, I don't like to like get into the whole debate. Oh, you can't eat it, dude. You, yeah, you can eat it. Who am I to say? Yeah, it is okay to eat a catfish. No, it's not. A, who am, you know, nobody named me or anybody else for that matter, the ethical guardian of what yeah. fish to eat or not. I would prefer not to eat bass.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I everybody yeah. eats one, but I'm not gonna judge. Anyway, this is because I love the fish so much
3: i, I'm, that, I, I don't know, catch I, I don't keep them on a lake but but in this situation he has to call them out because there's too many yeah. bass so they can't get any bigger so he wants to pull a bunch of them out so in that case yeah i mean they eat just fine so i'll i'll get them and clean them up for some friends be a good friend you know definitely i get to have fun and catch them and and do something for my friends so that'd be good
2: i'm definitely gonna go fish tomorrow weather seems to be or cooling down so, but I have no idea where I want to go. Like, I have no idea. Go to, go to Fairfield, man. You live. I, I Well, Fairfield, I, this is the thing I, I should have bought. I have to buy. I, I, I thought about going to Fairfield, but I have to buy the State Park Pass or something. I don't know what. Fairfield, they were going to. It's up for sale, too. Really? Yeah, it's up for sale. So whoever wants to buy it can buy and make like a.
3: Trophy Lake,
2: yeah. Yeah, Trophy Lake, theme park out of it. I think kind of like Yamamoto um, style, you know, like ja- Gary Yamamoto, who owns a a park here, or huh. not a la- ranch, and he has like seven ponds. If you ever come, I've actually fished that. It. It's pretty good. That's cool. Uh, but I need to buy like a... You just get a park pass for the day, right? Yeah, about the park. I'm reading on it right now.
3: Man, I, I had so much fun there. If I lived anywhere near that, that lake, I'd be there all the time.
2: I've heard it's... You know, I've never fished it, uh, but I've heard it's really, really, really good. That
3: um, that one day I was there, 20, four 24s came out that day. No, five. Know. Five 24s were caught that day. It's crazy.
2: I don't know, man. Going into a league that I've never been before, just at the last minute, I don't know. Maybe I will. So I'm big. Yeah, maybe I will. I'll yeah. let you know. I got to put it. some content out there, so we'll see.
3: There you go. Do it. Catch you at PB.
2: Anything else? No, nah, man. All right. So, for those out there listening, you made it this far. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hope you had fun with this episode. Um. Go check out our sponsor, Douglas Rods. Go to DouglasOutdoors.com. Check out the full lineup of rods reel, not rods reels, rods and fly fishing rods. That's what I meant to say. And if you're gonna be underwater, please wear your PFDs. If you're gonna have a couple of beers, drink responsibly. Make it sure you make it back home to your loved ones.
3: And tip one for your homies. There, there you it.
2: go. They're gonna be working that tomorrow. <laughs> tip for you guys working tomorrow.
3: Peace out, everyone. Later.
2: Boom.